The Mean Gene Show on iHeartRadio. You can also listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Mean Gene Show airs weekly on iHeartRadio with guest professional athletes, national sports writers, and much more. We discuss the latest in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and more. Here's your host, Mean Gene. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mean Gene Show on a Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. I am your host, and it is going to be a great show. I am so thankful and grateful to be able to come to you today. I am not in Houston, okay? So, look, still traveling on my way back to Houston. Should be back there tomorrow. Anyway, don't forget, folks, look, we are streaming live here on podbean.com. And, of course, if you miss any part of this show, you can catch it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Join me and Dustin Pfeiffer for the Sports King Show this Friday, immediately following the Mean Gene Show, Friday morning, okay, for our NFL Championship Playoff Show. Okay, we also will stream live here on Podbean. We will get you ready for more NFL playoffs. There are only four teams left. It's the final four of the NFL, and we'll have our thoughts, opinions, predictions, and analysis as far as who's going to advance to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. This show is brought to you by thescore.com. Download the app, follow your favorite teams, favorite sports, Get your daily scores and sports updates. All right, look, we are going to break down basically NFL division rounds, which took place this past weekend. Look, I know I'm a day late, but look, I have to give you my thoughts on what took place and the teams that advanced and the ones that didn't, as well as, you know, we're not going to get deep into talking about the games that's going to take place this weekend, but man, just, just an incredible weekend of NFL action, NBA action. We will have some of that to talk about too later on in the show, as we have breaking news just about 15 minutes before we even uh, came on the air. We get into that breaking news. Yeah. I'm going to make you wait. I'm going to make you wait. And because I don't, I I just definitely want to get into what we got going on in the NFL, but the NBA portion of this show is going to be great too. Big games last night from Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid. We'll talk about their spectacular nights, January 22nd, which just happened to have been the 18th anniversary of the night that Kobe Bryant went off for 81 points against the Toronto Raptors. Just seems like players get ready for that big night. So we'll talk about that as well as the big, big, Big breaking news in the NBA. And, of course, some NBA trades also that took place between the Charlotte Hornets and the Miami Heat. We'll talk about that. So, look, uh, i tell you what. You know, I, I wanted to really jump on yesterday and get this done, and I just wasn't in a logistical setting to where I could get this show uh, and present it to you the way that it needed to be presented because I want to make sure that even though and you know there was winners and losers this weekend and and even the losers could be winners and when I say that I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers and I'm talking about the Houston Texans 
uh, even though they lost, you can really look at those teams as winners in, in the uh, grand scheme of things and looking at how much these teams accomplish in a short period of time, especially the Houston Texans in their situation. And then the Green Bay Packers, you know, they they tend to produce a good quarterback every 10 years, and it seems like they got another one. You remember Brett Favre, you remember um, my man Aaron Rodgers, and of course, uh, now it's the Jordan Love era. I say my man Aaron Rodgers because you guys really know I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not going to take away from the great success that he brought to the Green Bay Packers fans, okay? Um, you know, I'm going to keep it real there. But anyway, so the Green Bay Packers and the Houston Texans fans have a lot uh, to be uh, uh, thankful for, even in a, a losing effort. So let's just kind of go back and recap what took place this weekend in the National Football League. You know, we went into the this weekend with the 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 Elite Eight. Uh, if I, I just like to reference the NC two A uh, uh, references, you know, and 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 just seeing what uh, what they got going on. But the eight teams that certainly went into the playoffs, of course. Uh, the, and the division the rounds are really important because you, you just never know what's going to happen in these division rounds. You got your number one seeds that have been sitting there. They're, they're waiting and waiting and waiting. They're waiting for someone to come to town and try to knock them off. And this is what you had uh, on Saturday when you had the Houston Texans going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Now, let me tell you, look, I'm not going to take anything from Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And look, for them to be in this position, I don't think they've ever hosted an AFC championship game. I don't, you know, you think about all those Raven teams and what they uh, were able to accomplish, even in their Super Bowl year. I think they did it on the road and as a wild card team, perhaps, or even, but not as a number one seed. But anyway, this team, was pretty solid. They stayed consistent for the most part. But uh, the Houston Texans, this game looked good as far as the, you know, uh, the billing of it and the marketing of it, you know, because it's not the regular season. You know, even though these two teams did meet in the regular season, this is not the regular season. It's the playoffs. And everyone, all the momentum seemed like it was going towards C.J. Stroud and just what he had accomplished and, and with this young team and this young coach and everything. But anyway, uh, Ravens won the game 34-10, even though the score was not really indicative of how that game went. Uh, yeah, they sort of just blew it away there in the end. And, you know, I really have to applaud Lamar Jackson and uh, that whole entire coaching staff for what they're what they are able to do with him as far as, you know, improvising and just really, because look, man, this guy is patient. You know, the old Lamar Jackson would just take off and run, 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 run. But this guy, you know, he knew when he needed to to use his legs versus his arms and the weapons, you know, the the, the weapons for the, the Baltimore Ravens are just not the usual weapons. The, the Ravens were kind of beat up, you know, it doesn't have Mark Andrews and some of the other, you, you remember Dobbins went out early on uh, in the year. So, you know, he's having to go with the running back by committee using some of the, the depth 
uh, on that team as far as running uh, tight ends and and likely. And, I mean, you know, but look, Lamar Jackson is probably going to be your MVP. And so, and for those of you who don't know, the MVP, the rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, all of that stuff has already been decided, okay? The people who vote for that, and I'm not one of them, unfortunately, but the people who vote for those type of players, for for those awards and all of that great stuff, you know, uh, it's going to be coming out here in a couple of weeks there, you know, when the NFL does the NFL honors, I believe it's that Thursday or Friday night in Las Vegas, uh, February 8th or 9th. Uh, You can just follow your television networks for the, the date and time on that. But the votes are in and, and somebody knows, you know, but we don't know yet. And all indications are, and you had talked to, if you listen to a lot of sports talk shows like I do, you will hear some of the voters tell you who they may have voted for, for the MVP of the National Football League. And all indications are that Lamar Jackson will probably be that one. But you think about to this year and what could have not been for the Baltimore Ravens, the fact that this, you know, man, what a long year. It just seemed like a long year. Lamar Jackson, the contract situation with him and whether or not he was going to play and he didn't have an agent. He was working, you know, with his family, trying to get together a, a contract. And the Ravens knew that he wasn't, they, they were not going to let him walk. He knew he wasn't going to go anywhere. And what great patience uh, they showed and what he showed. And, and look, look at the results. And now, you know, he got the contract, he got the big money, and then rarely do you see players come out there and get their money and come out there and perform. You know, you just don't see that. And this kid is just different. You know, he's not probably what you want him to be, but he is what he is. And he what he's what he wants to be. Okay, he goes out there and he gets it done. He's a winner. And uh, so he's probably going to be your, your MVP, so don't be surprised. But anyway... So he's got the Baltimore Ravens waiting this weekend for the Buffalo Bills in the AFC championship game. So big win for uh, Baltimore. So as far as the Houston Texans, and I was saying at the beginning of the show that Texans fans, you know, you don't want to say moral victory there. And I know I saw some information there about, okay, was it a moral victory there? You know, no, no, I don't think. Uh, D'Amico Ryans want to look at it as such, but man, you have to really look at this Texans team and the the mantra, uh, you know, that uh, was in Houston was uh, uh, the future is now. And, and, and it was so appropriate because the future was now, not only did they make the playoffs, they won their division. So you go, you take a team that was three and 13 and one, you know, and they come in and they win their division, win a playoff game, and are, you know, one game away from making the AFC championship game. So, look, if you are a Houston Texans fan, you the future's bright. The future's bright for you. The future's bright for that entire organization and what they're going to be able to do draft-wise, you know, that'll be coming up here in a few months, you know. And, man, it just looks bright. They exceeded, exceeded, exceeded expectations. You know, you know, when you sit down and, and I was, you know, you sit down and, and you get those, you know, feedback from, from uh, your bosses, 
you know, this year. And, 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 and NFL teams do it all the time. You know, they go through that debrief and they talk about, hey, man, we had a great year. This is what you did right. This is what you did wrong. These are some of the things the Texans are going to be talking about. Man, they all exceeded expectations from uh, ownership on down to everyone in that organization should get one hell of a pay raise, right? Bonuses should be given to everybody in that Houston Texans organization. So great win there. The uh, nightcap uh, Saturday, of course, was the Green Bay Packers and the 49ers. So look, you know, the 49ers, I think what you was able to see in that 24-21 victory by the 49ers in that NFC divisional game was that the 49ers are sort of banged up. And I don't think a lot of people were privy to that information, maybe people in the media, but you really saw that the 49ers are not as uh, elite uh, physically as they appear to be. Because, look, if you don't have Debo Samuels out there and ready to go, and then we saw that Christian McCaffrey was getting worked on on the sidelines and, you know, hamstrings, calf, whatever it was, you know, you're just seeing this stuff. You're seeing that the training staff was getting these guys in game shape. You know, we saw Debo walking back and forth from the the locker room. So, look, you know, this was one of those games where they didn't look like they were physically ready. Okay, they could have been mentally ready. And they just really had to, you know, you know, uh, Shanahan, man, they had to put something together because Green Bay was winning that game. As a matter of fact, you guys should agree with me. The Packers should have won that game. And it might be old news by now, but the Packers should have won that game. But the 49ers, they just didn't give up defensively. They didn't give up, you know, and they they got stops, big stops, you know, when they needed. And, you know, so, hey, it, that's just the way it worked out. I mean, you, you know, you're winning, you know, that game, what, minute something left to go in the game, Packers are up. Man, it looked like the Green Bay Packers was going to pull this off. And they were going to put it off because, look, the Packers had a good game plan, not as aggressive as the one they had against the Dallas Cowboys, but they didn't need it, you know. I mean, they just did basic stuff, but the 49ers were banged up. So I can honestly say, and I'm not going to speak too much about the Packers, I mean, the 49ers and the Detroit Lions NFC Championship game coming up because me and Dustin, we're really going to break this down. But, boy, they have to be concerned. If they're not healthy enough, there could be problems with the number one seed and the the team, uh, the, the 49ers. You know, we saw it with the Eagles. I, you know, Eagles, the injuries, just they, they tend to catch up with you, especially if they impact key players. Key players such as A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown not in the game in a game where they needed they needed that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, you don't you just don't have that. You have to go against the grain, you know. Um, you know, superstar players are superstar players. That means you should be able to count on them and rely on them when you need them. So look, if you don't have Debo Samuels, then that's a problem. Uh so we'll see what what happens here in this NFC Championship game. So you know Detroit the Lions. Someone had to be scouting that game, and and 
you know, and saying, look here, something's going on with this team. Are we going to be able to capitalize on their weakness and be able to win this game and get to the Super Bowl? Which I think, folks, I know there's a lot of uh, 49er fans in the in the country, but I think I think America is pulling for the Detroit Lions in a sense because it's just a great story for a team that hasn't been in the NFC Championship game since, you know, uh, many, many moons ago in the 90s, I believe. So just great stuff here. So, um, so those were your games on uh, Saturday. Then came Sunday, and oh, my goodness, man. So you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. So look, Buccaneers came in with a game plan. It was not a pretty game through halftime. Both teams, I mean, it was 10-10. I mean, it was 10-10. It didn't really, that game, it was almost like the Detroit Lions didn't really, you know, wake up. I think defensively they they got things going. But I think for the most part, 10-10, man, it was anybody's game. You gave Tampa Bay, you gave the Buccaneers a lot of confidence in that game. And it looked as if, and you can tell by the fans, boy, they was like, whoa, they were holding their heads, hands on their heads and and stuff like that. So, they, you know, it just really looked like, and Baker Mayfield did a a great job, you know, just kind of keeping it together. 10-10 halftime and third quarter, they both score. And then the fourth quarter decided that game. The fourth quarter decided that game. But I will say that I give it up to the Detroit defense because, man, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, they turned up the heat on Tampa Bay. They hurried Mayfield. Mayfield was running for his life for the most part. And that's what they had to do. They saw that that game, you know, this game was, it wasn't slipping away, but it was a toss-up. Anybody could have won. I don't know what the probability was. You know how they throw that stat up there, the probability of who's going to win this game. I mean, it's 50-50 going into the third quarter. I mean, fourth quarter. 50-50, anybody could have won that game. But the Detroit Lions defense, is, and, 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 and they have what's gotten them there. You know, Jared Goff, he threw the, the two touchdown passes. I mean, they get it done, they win 31-23. But, man. That game was as close as that score indicates. It was. I mean, it really, really was a hell of a game. And, of course, Armand Ross St. Brown, man, you know, all year long, he's been the stud, okay? So has Mike Evans been the stud for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, Detroit Lions advance to the NFC championship game. The Lions, the Detroit Lions are one game away from going to the Super Bowl, all right? Uh, look, uh, do I sound excited? Yes, because it's just, it's amazing. You want to see this stuff. You want to see this. Detroit, I, you know, me and Dustin Pfeiffer, we adopted this team two years ago. We saw it coming with Dan Campbell, that type of coach. Man, what type, What player wouldn't want to play for him? Just the coolest guy. You remember Dan Campbell from Texas A&M? Good, cool guy. You know, and just, man, just a great guy. And Detroit, the city of Detroit, we all know the troubles that that uh, place have uh, experienced over the years. The economy that used to be one of the most booming economies in the country. 
you know, with the with the Ford plants and this, that, and the other. You just, you know, just like we saw it with the Saints many years ago with the after Hurricane Katrina went through there and and destroyed that city for the, you know, at that time and took them many years to rebound and get back on track. And, you know, they won the Super Bowl, you know, a year or two after that. So I'm not saying the same thing, you know, is going to happen, but it, it, it just made for a good story. Okay. You can go back and look how winning that Super Bowl for the Saints, you know, uh, just kind of ignited that city and brought people together and rebuilt that city, so to speak, is what I'm trying to say. And then, of course, New Orleans is always a great place, you know, for the Super Bowl to be hosted anyway. So the economy down there, um, you know, is, 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 you know, has rebounded. But Detroit, you know, all this attention on the Detroit Lions, and if they go to the Super Bowl, oh, my goodness, Motown, woo! Look, I already got my Smokey Robinson hits ready to go. I got my Martha and the Vandells, I, you know, the Miracles, Temptations. I'm ready. I'm ready to blast this stuff if they go in to Levi's Stadium and beat the 49ers. I'm going to be playing Motown songs until the Super Bowl. But anyway, let me stop. But uh, But anyway, so look, let's talk about the Buccaneers. What happens to the Buccaneers? My friend and our sports queen, Sony Thompson, covered the Buccaneers, covers the Buccaneers. And, you know, look, Baker Mayfield wants to come back to the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield should be able to come back to the uh, Buccaneers because without Baker Mayfield, we can say this, they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. I don't think. The backup quarterback, Kyle Trask, would have led them there. I mean, I don't know. This was the year of the backup quarterback. We've seen backup quarterbacks come in this year and fill in for the starters and do a hell of a job. I mean, you can say that from Mason Rudolph to Jake Browning to you name it, man. These quarterbacks have come in and did the damn thing as far as, you know, doing what they need to do. Aiden. Uh, O'Connell, there with the Raiders. I mean, we this has been the year of the backup quarterback. Will Levis, was he the third string quarterback to come, you know, to start the year? Because, you know, the Titans had three quarterbacks on the roster. So, you know, uh, so I really can't say what Cal Trask could have, would have, you know, would have done, should have done, would have done. But look, Baker certainly was the man he was the starter the majority of the times he led the team to winning the nfc south he led them to the playoffs he got a playoff win over the defending nfc champions philadelphia eagles you know so look i think the buccaneers i think todd bowles is going to i think the organization is going to say hey we got to you know bring Baker Mayfield back. So look, and not only uh, was Baker Mayfield a good quarterback on the field, Baker Mayfield was a better person off the field. Baker Mayfield wasn't, you know, uh, uh, portrayed in a negative spotlight uh, as previous, you know, what we saw, you know, and, you know, certainly, you know, things get personal in the NFL. And I got to think he felt Cleveland disrespected him. You know, I'm sure he did. 
you know, they, you know, they bring in Deshaun Watson, throw, uh, damn near $250 million, you know, at Deshaun Watson. And, you know, so I, you got to understand Baker Mayfield for feeling a little salty about that. You know, who wouldn't, but, uh, he was able to get to the Rams, did, you know, uh, a little audition down there and was so fortunate to land an opportunity in Tampa and look what he did with it. Look what Baker Mayfield did with the opportunity uh, in Tampa. Granted, you know, the NFC South wasn't the glamour division of football this year. You know, I mean, you had the, the, the Panthers and Dustin will admit it, you know, major disappointment coming out of the Panthers going, uh, did they go, uh, did they go one and 16 or two, two and 15? I think uh, two and 15, you know, and, and with a rookie quarterback, the number one draft pick. So that was a letdown. We saw what happened with the firing of, of the coach. And now, you know, they're looking to, to, to see what's going to happen there. So, and then you look at the, the new Orleans saints, you know, we didn't know I picked the saints really to win the division. And it came down to, the last couple of games of the season. And Derek Carr, who I figured uh, had reasons uh, just like Baker to be able to redeem himself, a team that you had been with for nine, 10 years with the Raiders, and they just get rid of you like yesterday's trash. And he goes and reunites with the uh, one of the coaches that, that drafted him. So I figured the Saints had the, and they had the more, you know, established team. Well, so did the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, Tom Brady left them in good hands. Um, so, and then you go with the Buccaneers and you say, well, it's Baker. You know, I don't know. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be, you know, uh, that good. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And this is me talking. This is, you know, that was what I thought. A lot of people thought that. And, you know, even though he was left with a good team, uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, the Buccaneers had decided to part ways with him. They brought in another running back that uh, just stole the show. And, man, next thing you know, that running back helped Baker Mayfield more than people uh, know. And he already had a good receivers. And that tight end they got down there, that Mayfield to Otten combination, man, that looks good. That I mean, that that looks good. That's a big tight end. Reminds me of Gronkowski. He's just a big ass target and Baker didn't have no problems. Look, when you small, when you're as small as Baker Mayfield, you see that big ass tight end down there wide open. I don't know what the play was designed to be called, but he's probably going to get the damn ball. If I see him, <laughs> you know, and, and Baker, Baker got him that ball and then he caught that. So, I mean, you just saw some things developing and I think there's probably some unfinished business in Tampa with Baker Mayfield. And as long as, you know, you got Mike Evans, Godwin, you got the rookie Palmer down there, him and Baker were also starting to get on the same page. So I just would be shocked that, uh, you know, not only uh, you don't bring this guy back for a year or two, you extend, give him a contract, give Baker Mayfield uh, some longevity, okay? I think he wants that. I think he probably thought he was going to get that in Cleveland. He didn't, but I think he's very comfortable with the Buccaneers. He looked comfortable. And I think, I think, and I think, you know, you won the division, you beat the Eagles 
And, you know, the Detroit, a, a team that you stuck with for 30 minutes, well, hell, 45 minutes pretty much of, of that game, you know, you were just, a, you know, a touchdown away from getting to the, uh, the NFC Championship game. Baker Mayfield was that close to getting leading the Buccaneers to the NFC uh, Championship game. So uh, we should see, you know, exactly how 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 that how that pans out. So we'll keep keep an eye on that. Um, and then, of course, how about the game we had uh, Sunday night? Which, oh my goodness, I tell you what, the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Now I'm one that has been on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon, so to speak. So, look, I picked the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills to go to the Super Bowl, and then I was still hanging in there with 50% of my picks, uh, you know, after Dallas got beat. And then Buffalo, look, you worked so hard to get the number two seed, to host the playoff game at home. You know, you go on the road, last game of the season, take care of business to secure that number two seed. And I don't know. I do not know what to think of the Buffalo Bills now. And I'm tired of the the, the broken record of window of opportunity. Is it is it closed? Well, we thought it was closed last year. We thought it was closed the year before because the team is hot. Josh Allen is a, you know, once in a, uh, you know, lifetime talent that comes along, you know, these type of quarterbacks like this. And for some reason, they cannot get it done. They cannot get it done. And I'm going to talk about the Bills for a minute before I get on to the Chiefs. What needs to be done? We, you know, you know, um, I was prepared, Had you know, had I done the show yesterday because I really was going to talk about Sean McDermott and, and I wanted to really wait and see if he was going to be fired or even, you know, there was talk about, well, what's going to happen to Sean McDermott as a head coach of the Buffalo Bills. You know, there was talk in November that he might be fired. And that was if they didn't turn it around Well, they turned it around, you know, they got through December on that, on that upside of the roller coaster going up, you know, and, and they did good enough to get themselves a playoff game, you know, uh, I mean, a two seed, and host a playoff game, but you couldn't look, man, I would have bet and I didn't bet nothing on the, on, on the, the game between the chiefs and the bills, but had, I would have bet everything that the bills were going to win the game because man, you did everything. You did everything you needed to do to get in the position to get to an AFC championship game. And I even had the bills going as far as beating the Ravens because I just think man for man, the Ravens just didn't 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 match up well against the Bills. I mean, look at the Ravens and how beat up they were. I mean, you know, they they were they outcoached the Texans team and Lamar Jackson just outplayed a Texans team. But man, but you know, you put Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen together, man. I was looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, looking forward to those receivers that I know Gabe Davis was not, you know, available for the Buffalo Bills, but man, they still had Shakur. They they got other people that can, you know, that they should have been, you know, getting that ball to. But I don't know. I don't know. What what what's gonna happen with the Buffalo Bills? I I, I mean, you, you got a 
tweak and fix something. You're seeing a lot of offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators getting fired, replaced, whatever. You know, head coaches are doing this, the ones that didn't get fired. You know, Philly's doing it. So you, you're probably going to see Buffalo do something similar to, you know, something's got to change. But if you're the owner of the Bills and you talk to Sharon McDermott at the end of the year, give him a debrief, and I'm like, dude, you got to win with this guy. You know, I look at these other teams in the NFL, they don't have a, a guy like us. They don't have a Josh Allen. Why can't you win with this guy? You look at Brandon Staley and why he got fired with the Chargers. You got a Justin Herbert, you know. What are you doing with this guy? Man, these guys are good. You have to win with them. So Sherman McDermott, you know, and he still could be fired. I don't know. But, I, I mean, so far, a couple of days later, what, 72 hours after that game, he still has a job. So what are you going to do? You, you know, you're going to fire the quarterback's coach. You're going to fire the offensive coordinator. Who has more influence and time with this quarterback? Because you got to win with Josh Allen, man. And if Josh Allen feels that there's a disconnect, and look, I, I I don't think the coach is the right coach for me, then Sean McDermott is out of there. So I, I don't know. But anyway, just sad. Um, but anyway, the Chiefs, not to take anything away from, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, and, and Travis uh, Kelsey. Look, the Chiefs, what, six? Uh, straight uh, AFC championship game. Look, that, you know, Andy Reid, I mean, there's more than just Kelsey and Mahomes. There's Andy Reid. And Sean McDermott is always probably going to be outcoached by Andy Reid. Maybe if he had faced somebody else, you know, you always got that factor because Andy Reid is just Andy Reid. You know, this man is always just going to beat you in the game of chess. <laughs> you know, so you, you you really have to have your stuff together. And, uh, you know, I mean, they they come up with the best game plan. People have talked about the Chiefs all year, lack of receivers. You know, Pacheco was banged up. They still was able to come up with a running game. The Chiefs just, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, man, come on. These guys, they've been there. They They remind you of somewhat of the old Patriots. They just they just know what to do in big time situations. They just know. They just they they know what they got to do, and they know how to get it done, and they get it done. And if you're Buffalo, you haven't been there. You haven't been in these situations where you just got to get it done. You know, Buffalo, you want to get it done. We want to win. You know, we know we need to win, but how we? They haven't figured out the how yet. And. Uh, but but the Chiefs, man, I I, I mean I, I I don't know, I I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what more you can say. Uh, Mahomes threw for two touchdown passes. Kelsey gets it in there. They win twenty four. I mean twenty seven twenty four. And if you're that kicker, that uh, Tyler Bass, look, I'll tell you something about kickers, okay? Um, when I was a head groundskeeper at a junior college in San Diego. Uh, one of the San Diego Chargers used to come over uh, to my facility and uh, would ask, hey, can I? do you mind if I practice kicking field goals? And I just want to kick. And uh, we're talking about John Carney. I don't know if you 
Charger fans remember John Carney, the kicker. Well, Carney used to ask, hey, I, I just want to kick. And I saw Carney. All Carney would do is kick. What else do kickers have to do? They don't tackle. I mean, they 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 maybe learn a little bit just to, you know, in case a kick, you know, a, a punt return or something other gets uh, out of hand there. But they kick. They kick. Nobody messes with them. They, they don't do a lot of activities with the team. The, the team don't bother them because there's no kicking coach. You just got to know how to kick. Someone identifies and knows that you know how to kick and you, you're drafted as the kicker. You are the kicker. All right. Uh, so this guy, to miss a field goal at home in your facility, and you know the conditions, whether snow, rain, ice, whatever, you know that facility. That's your place. So you have to be comfortable with making field goals in your place. And the history of the Buffalo Bills and field goals, oh, my goodness. They just go, it just seems to hunt them for some reason. But, man, you know, uh, this was a game-tying, a potential game-tying field goal that went wide right, you know, 44 yards there. Um, And then the Chiefs run out the last one minute and 47 seconds, man. Just, you know, and Bass owned up to it. You know, you got to make that. Uh, it's just crazy. And not to mention, you remember, he had one blocked against the Steelers. Um, but they still was able to get, you know, get a win. But, man, I, I don't know. Just bad. Just bad for the Buffalo Bills there. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs go on there and they, they get the win. And, you know, the Chiefs now are in their comfort zone. They're in positions where they are used to being. They used to go into AFC championship games. They used to go into, you know, win or lose. They used to be in where they are right now. That's where the Chiefs are. They're in the AFC championship game. So they're going to play the Ravens. The Ravens are not as used to being there like the Chiefs. Um, so this that's why, you know, this game is going to be quite interesting. But how about Mahomes and Kelsey who were – uh, the 15th and 16th times they combined for scores in the playoffs. So they have one more than Tom Brady and Ron Gronkowski for the NFL record for the most playoff touchdowns by a quarterback receiver combination. So, man, that's got to be scary because usually while the, the, the New England Patriots were building those numbers, they were winning Super Bowls. So the fact that the the Chiefs were able to accomplish this feat here, you know, if you're Baltimore, you got to stop this, man. You got to stop this success, this momentum, because it looks like just reading stuff like this and hearing all of this, that they're on their way to another Super Bowl. And it's not far-fetched. A lot of people picked the Chiefs to win, uh, including Dustin Pfeiffer, picked the Chiefs to win this game last week. I didn't. I, I've been riding Buffalo, riding Buffalo, thinking they were going to get it done. But it was another disappointing loss for the Bills that has won four consecutive AFC East titles. You know, and this is since Tom Brady has been gone, right? And But they can't punch it in. Yeah, they can't get no farther than AFC East. And that's, that's a shame. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the the Buffalo Bills are going to do to get to, 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 to get past that. So anyway, 
So that right there is uh, what happened. Uh, and so this leads us to the final four of the NFL. And man, what what Sunday. So, you know, we're down to just one day of uh, playoff games. And of course, everyone knows the big Super Bowl uh, that's going to be coming up on February 11th. And man, I cannot believe we are. We, I mean, this is it, folks. You know, like the cartoon. That's that. That's all, folks. This is it. We're we're getting close to, you know, this week we'll decide who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Who's going to be? Well, it's going to be it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs hosting that game at uh, Baltimore, and then it's going to be the Forty ers and Detroit. Man, and any one of these teams at this point are capable of winning the Super Bowl. Any one of these teams can win the Super Bowl. Any one of these teams. And this is this is what, you know, what what makes the NFL so incredible because you know, you you we follow these teams um from 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 the beginning here from training camp on to to you know, preseason to to where we are now. So the first game of course on Sunday will be the Chiefs and the Ravens. We'll know who's going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and then it's going to be the Lions and the, and the 49ers. So that uh, interesting, very interesting. So, all right, um, NBA stuff. Oh, my goodness. So last night, of course, if you just wasn't uh, paying attention, if you just happened to miss it, if you were so exhausted from Sunday NFL games and you needed a break, uh, but you follow the NBA, you just happen to, you know, miss out on some, uh, you know, some great performances last night in the NBA. You missed out on the uh, 70-point performance by Joel Embiid. He set a franchise record with 70 points as the 76ers defeated the Spurs 133-123. to 123. Okay. Uh, just a record night, man. And his stats, his numbers. Are you ready for these numbers? 70 points, 18 rebounds, five assists. Just, you know, just one of those games. Now, now Victor Wimayama, being a rookie, had Joel Embiid not had this masterful, masterful night, historic night. He put up 33 points, seven rebounds, two assists. You know, for a rookie, that ain't bad. You know, that would normally probably be the headlines there. But, man, this was this was pretty good. And then, of course, after the game, you know, there's Joel sitting at his locker with a piece of paper with 70 in the basketball, just like what uh, what Wilt, uh, Wilt Chamberlain did. But, now, it's kind of crazy. Yesterday was January uh, the 22nd, which was the 18th year that Kobe Bryant hit the 81 points against the Toronto Raptors. So it's something about January 22nd in the NBA that these guys try to go out and see if they can, you know, I don't know whether they're celebrating or they just, you know, want to break the record if they can. And I don't think Embiid was going to break Kobe's record last night. And let's remember Wilt Chamberlain did this six times before he finally hit that 100-point night that he had. So 70 points 
uh, he had already did like six times, I believe. So uh, that was normal for him. That's when everybody just gave the ball to the biggest damn man that was on the court and, and let him slam dunk it, you know, about 40 times a game. But uh, no, it was, it was a good game because big men today and then Joel and Embiid, and I watched this game last night in his case, I mean, look, they're getting it done from, you know, the perimeter, from the, the free throws, from uh, inside. So the big man game is so uh, versatile now. So when they earn these uh, awards, they really do earn them. So big win there. I mean, big performance, big win also. And while that was happening, and not to be outdone, how about Carl Anthony Towns? He was over there uh, scoring 62 points, which uh, turned out to be uh, a, a big performance and a uh, a highlight for him. He he breaks his own record, really, because he had scored 60 points in a single game with the Timberwolves, but he put up 62 last night. Now, the only sad part for the Timberwolves is that they were at home and they lost the damn game. They lost the game to Dustin Pfeiffer's Charlotte Hornets. And uh, the coach wasn't happy. Of course, you know, I don't know if the players kind of got caught up in what was happening with uh, with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. But, I mean, the, the, the Timberwolves were up big in this game. <laughs> How they lose, I don't know. But they lost. But nevertheless a big accomplishment for Carl Anthony Towns. Just crazy. I don't know if it's ever happened where two players have had 60-plus points in the same night in the NBA, and then they do it on the anniversary of the night when Kobe hit the 81. So just interesting stuff there. And then, of course, the big news uh, out of the NBA, uh, the firing of Anthony, I'm sorry, Adrian Griffin. The Milwaukee Bucks fired first-year head coach Adrian Griffin, and this was announced uh, just about less than an hour ago. Assistant coach Joe Pronti would take over on an interim basis. So my listeners of the Mean Gene Show and the Sports Kings, because me and Dustin Pfeiffer, we have talked about this. I told you Adrian Griffin was way in over his head. The... Milwaukee Bucks, I just, we talked about the other night when they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They lost by 40 damn points, okay? And we're talking about a team that used to be uh, defensively, they they could stop anybody, and that's what they did under Mike Budenheiser and then a Budenhoser. So then uh, we even got comments from uh, Mr. Uh, Portis there that, you know what? We probably could have played better defense. We probably could have did this, that, and the other. And and that's just, I mean, boy, that comment might have just really threw Adrian Griffin under the bus. Because when you have a when you got your players out there saying, Yeah, we probably could have played better defense, well, that means that they didn't. And that means that the coach didn't enforce it or he didn't require it. And man, he's fired. I'm not at all shocked that he's fired before the All-Star game. I, I'm, I'm just not. And you shouldn't be either. I, I thought he would be fired at this season. But look, I and I can understand why 
they did the firing now because the Milwaukee Bucks are still in the second spot when you look at the NBA standings. They still are, you know, just sort of looking up to the Boston Celtics, still have an outside chance here uh, to get to the NBA, you know, uh, Eastern Conference semifinals. I mean, finals. So, uh, you know, and I, I tell you, it's 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 unreal, unreal, uh, how they thought by firing Coach Budenhauser was going to lead them to some success. I don't know what. Look, they get beat by Miami. You know, they get eliminated in the first round or what have you. Hey, shit happens, okay? It just happens. It happens, and that didn't mean that Budenhauser was a, was a bad coach. They just, look, they, they just didn't have it, you know? And, I, and now I know for a fact they regret uh, firing this guy, and now they're going to have to scramble to see who they're going to get. Look, they're three and a half games behind the Celtics right now. And they're only a half game above the 76ers. So I think the alarm probably went off last night knowing that, okay, the 76ers could really be, could, could, could pass them uh, for second place. Okay. Uh, in Cleveland, the team that beat them by 40 points a couple of days ago is only four games behind them. Uh, God forbid they, uh, uh, past them. So now the mad dash, and one of the reasons why I think, and I haven't been able to confirm this, but one of the reasons why I think they fired him now is because they will be able to bring in someone who can just pick the team up where it is now and, and, and sort of roll with it. This interim coach will be interim, very interim. Yeah, I don't think he's going to lead them the whole way. I could be wrong, but uh, reports are already out there that Doc Rivers, who's only been unemployed for, you know, uh, a couple of months, hasn't even been a full year, that Doc Rivers could come in and get something going with this team. You want a coach that knows what the hell he's doing that could kind of just pick it up and run with it. You still have way more enough time left. You got the all-star break coming up. Doc could come in bring, uh, assemble his coaching staff, come in there and still implement something, you know, nothing real quick, but just something defense right now is what's needed in Milwaukee and get this team uh, sort of, you know, if I use a Navy term here, just steer the ship and, and keep them afloat here and then and get it going. Um, and I think that's what they want to do. Second place. Yeah, I, I understand. The alarm was sounded. And they fired Adrian Griffin. And I, Adrian Griffin was set up for failure. He shouldn't have never been hired. And maybe the GM, whoever hired Adrian Griffin, maybe they should be looking at him. And maybe they should be questioning, who, why the hell did you bring him in here? So, you know, normally you see GMs get fired. But uh, because this season is still young and the Bucks are still, you know, uh, their second place. So they're a playoff team. But I think someone, I don't know if it came from the uh, the management because you got to think that the GM has been seeing the same stuff we all been seeing here. Uh, maybe he said, okay, enough. This was a bad hire. I don't know. We'll find out more on this. But uh, it's just bad. 
you know, and it's just bad that you, you know, you rarely see this. I think David Blatt, uh, I think he may have been one of the coaches uh, that had got fired uh, in midseason. He was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, you guys might remember. So anyway, it's happened before. But I'm not at all surprised by the firing of Adrian Griffin. I'm just really shocked. They shouldn't have never hired this man. He shouldn't have never been uh, uh, set up to fail like this because he clearly didn't know what he was doing. And look, you bring in Damian Lillard. You bring, so you got two superstars and you got a brand new coach. Monty Williams probably would should have got that job. So Monty gets the job with the Detroit. Uh, Pistons, who the Pistons, those players just don't know how to win. Monty is a good coach. Now his reputation is going to be tarnished because he's coaching a bad team. And and now you're looking at, uh, so Monty, uh, one thing his Phoenix Suns teams did do was play defense. So too bad Monty couldn't have gotten the job in Milwaukee. I think Monty would still be the head coach right now. But we should see. So things are gonna change there in in the uh, in Milwaukee. So just wow, a team that just won the NBA championship not too long ago. So hey, that's the way that's the way it happens there. And then of course there was also a trade in the NBA, and of course the Charlotte Hornets. Me and Dustin Pfeiffer will probably talk more about this later. The Charlotte Hornets traded starting guard Terry. Rogier to the Miami Heat for Cal Lowry in a 2027 first round pick. Now the pick uh, is lottery protected uh, in 2027 and becomes unprotected in 2028 if it conveys. So Rogier, not a bad scorer. Uh, he's been in the league since 2015, averaging about 23 points a game. But, uh, you know, so this is going to be pretty good. So you get him over there. And, you know, with Miami, I, I think it's a fair trade. I think it's pretty even. It's not, you know, I don't see nothing. Um, it's just the offense that they're going to need. And right now, Miami, you know, Miami's all, and Miami, look, Miami made the NBA Finals last year. So, you know, Miami is not, you know, used to being a number one seed there, but, you know, you can't count them out. Right now, they're the sixth seed, and you just got to know that an Eric Spolster team is going to make the playoffs, not play in tournament, but playoffs. They would be one through six, probably six. Okay. Uh, and just the way the NBA uh, standings look right now, it probably won't even change at all. Uh, Boston one, Milwaukee two, Philly three, Cleveland and, and New York m- might flip flop, and Miami might even move up. Indiana would probably, you know. Uh, stay in there in Orlando. I like Orlando is the eighth seed right now, even though uh, Chicago and Atlanta uh, probably, you know, would be in a play-in situation there, uh, the way it stands. And and then, of course, there are rumors that DeJounte Murray uh, could be shipped somewhere. So we should see. We should see how this is going to happen. But anyway, that's it. That's the show. That That's we were able to get the NFL stuff in that I had to talk to you about, of course, definitely the NBA uh, historic night on Monday night, January 22nd. And then the uh, big news in the NBA today with the firing 
of Adrian Griffin, Milwaukee Bucks coach, midseason firing, and then the trade involving the Charlotte Hornets and the Miami Heat. So, all right, we will be back tomorrow. And I will be Thursday. We will be back to our morning time, 8 a.m. Central time. Okay, sorry for the uh, fluctuation in uh, uh, schedule times there. But, you know, when you're not, when you're traveling, you just have to, you know, kind of go with the flow. But anyway, we wanted to make sure we got the show off. So, hey, enjoy your games tonight. All right. Uh, five NBA games tonight. Lakers and Clippers ton of NC2A action this evening. You got number two Purdue, number four Houston, number six Kentucky, and number 12 Duke. All of these teams are in action tonight, okay? So enjoy your college basketball. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Mean Gene Show. <laughs>